And I just like the idea of them being like, so there was this guy involved in this international incident in Egypt the other week, and I <laughs> swear it was Dr. Jones, but like, re- like with this like fedora, and like it was crazy. He had a whip, and they're like, come on, don't make jokes about our soft boy Dr. Jones like that. <laughs> I feel like he would have the most like above board, like boring, like work study programs, or like they do like one extremely carefully arranged, like one week trip out to a dig site that's very carefully protected. And like he disappears for one day and comes back with like a fresh bruise. And they're like, what happened? He's like, oh, I uh, uh, slipped and uh, walked into a tree. Don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, and the students are like, oh, that Dr. Jones, he's always getting into scrapes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. I'm multitasking this podcast. I'm also breaking in my Renfair boots. Oh, nice. So if you hear any, like, squeaky noises, that's why. (laughs) It's the squeaking of the hideous boots. I can't believe they made a Telltale Heart reference in SpongeBob. Oh, man, I love that show. Uh, Real quick, before we get into the meat of the podcast, uh, we have to announce that this episode is sponsored by our good friends at World Anvil. Oh, yeah. World Anvil is uh, a a wonderful sponsor who we've worked with many times in the past, and now they're on the podcast, which is great. Uh, They're a browser-based world-building, writing, and game-running software designed to help you, the player, plan characters and world-build, all while keeping your adventures organized and in one place. Because we all play D&D, we know how Mm. tough that can be. Is is it a pain in the butt? Is is tricky. It's really tricky. (laughs) Uh, with over 45 game systems and the ability to create your own, World Anvil has the solutions for players, no matter what rules they're using, to create and roleplay their ideal character. Or, you know, like, a goblin bastard like we like to play sometimes instead of the ideal, you know? Sometimes peak performance is just trash goblin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we got uh, customizable character sheets, journal pages, inventory management, adaptable spell books, and plenty more to let players lose themselves in the character while keeping track of all their abilities, attacks, spells, and items mid-game, because 5e is like that, ain't it? Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then here, here's the thing. Uh, are you interested? Well, of course you are. There and it, it only gets better because World Anvil is offering a special discount for all you lovely listeners. Special Just use code discount? Overly no sarcastic. I said what I said, Red. For 40% off any yearly membership. Thank you again to World Anvil for sponsoring today's podcast and possibly giving us one of my favorite bits now. <laughs> say it. Say the line. Interested, of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we have another recurring bit now, thanks to (laughs) my lack of creativity in copywriting. No, I mean, like, I... I, I, I tweaked it before we sent it over to, to World Anvil. I'm like, I, I'm keeping this interested. Of course you are. Of I course just, you it's, are. It's always kind of funny to, to run into something that doesn't quite sound like how each of us writes, you know? Uh, like, um, Blue and I will sometimes edit each other's scripts and we'll, like, occasionally be like, okay, I would write this part this way. And then the other will be like, cool. And, like, rework it so it actually sounds natural, you know, coming out of our respective mouths. But in this case, it's just kind of like, I don't think I'd ever in my life say interested. Of course you are. Or Organically. <laughs> One of the later copies will say, you bet your ass you're interested, and it only gets better. <laughs> yeah, see, that would work. Yeah. <laughs> it's all I about guess the regardless, thank you to World Anvil. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've got some uh, other stuff that you guys need to talk about. <laughs> we, we do. We have videos. Uh, we, There's we more that videos might be even. Yeah, we, this, hey. this was a real treat. I yeah. Last year, we got to do a little, a little combined uh, triple threat uh, a month of doing a video on um, the post-Homerica, mm-hmm. the Trojan War, and the Mycenaean uh, Greek Bronze Age. And, and this year, we thought it'd be fun to, to do that again. So when you had the idea of doing the Epic of Gilgamesh yeah. in, in proper uh, OSP Red style, I was like, oh, I can, I can like play support with that for, for some stuff. So uh, in, our, in our lead up before we got to Gilgamesh, I had a video on the Ziggurat of Ur, which was a kind of like soft prequel to everything that happened in, in the, the history of Mesopotamia, everything-ish, yeah. before the epic gets written down. So all the stuff happened after Gilgamesh was alive, because he was like 3000s BC. I think 2800 is the okay. estimate. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty shrouded in myths, you know? Yeah, I know, <laughs> for sure. Myths of history. Yeah, but... Um... Uh, so should we start with uh, should we start with the ziggurat? Yeah, let's do Perfect. A chronological ish. <laughs> yeah, I as I got into researching this, I'm like, oh, you know, it really is just trapezoids. Like when you break it down <laughs> to the most fundamental level, it's it's just shapes. 
but it works. It works. And I, I, I feel so silly for looking at it like, oh, yeah, no, that's a pleasing shape. But it's just it's just a, a step pyramid. You just stacked trapezoids on top of each other. And it's really nice. It's just shapes. But it, this feels like you've like. I don't know, looked into the infinite and broken down archi- like uh, <laughs> architecture into its purest form. And you're like, I see. It's just shapes. It's just but shapes. it works. Architecture. <laughs> the ending of 2001. just shapes. <laughs> <laughs> the ending of 2001 playing out behind your eyes as you're like, it's all trapezoids. <laughs> yeah. I, there's... We'll we'll have to get into this in the in the next episode, um, which I actually won't be here for. Next episode's a girls' night. Oh yes, yeah. um, but there, there's another ziggurat that I do talk about uh, uh, later in the month that I don't like the shape of. So I'll <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get my my spicy Atemanenki thoughts out of the way in a future episode. But um, as far as uh, the the sort of like redemptive quality of these these videos for me, I had done uh, a video on uh, the Mesopotamian Bronze Age way in the past for a, mm. a kind of multiple History Channels collaboration that we did, and I was very unfamiliar with the topic, and I feel like I did an okay job. I, I made some generalizations. I had to cut some corners to make like everything fit in the scope of that video, but this time it felt really nice to be able to like go through, be like, okay. I know what I'm talking about a lot more now than I did before, mm. and I've got to focus so I'm not just kind of, like, swimming around in the sea of vaguely talking about Mesopotamia stuff and trying to connect everything together. I'm like, okay, I got stuff that will lead to the ziggurat, and I can kind of, like, like prune off random threads that are that are getting in the way or making things confused, and I can just keep the, the narrative nice and, and confined and compact, and it felt really nice to be able to, to, to put that together. Uh, having the focus point of like, what is leading to this particular set of trapezoids helps me really organize the rest of the the prior history. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that I could have talked about, about uh, King Shulgi, who famously uh, ran from the city of, of Ur to the city of Nippur and back in a day, which is like a hundred miles. Mm. Definitely impossible. Yeah. Um, there are some like historical analogs, like when Mao swam across the river faster than all these other youths, but it's like because of the current of the river, like he probably could have just like like floated there and the river would have carried him. So like he was swimming, but like that wasn't like his full motion carrying him. Um, so maybe there was something like that where he ran out of the city and got on a chariot and went most of the way and then ran the rest of the way into the city and then ran back. Because 200 miles in a day is, is fully impossible. People have gotten pretty far in like a 48 hour run without stopping to like sleep or anything. Mm. But... I don't know. So it was like, there's other stuff like that that I could have talked about, but I'm like, I don't need to. It's, it, it, it just doesn't relate to the, the trapezoid. Just get out of here. <laughs> Hail the trapezoid. Yeah. Oh, man. No, it was a, it was a really fun video. And uh, when we were talking about it, I remember uh, there was a like a brief interval kind of early in the scripting phase where you're like, I just don't know what the hell I'm doing with this. Like, I had no idea at first. There's nothing for my my brain to like bite into and really yeah. like get a grip on because that's like this is uh, this is the thing I keep coming back to with my troubles with uh, studying history is like if there's nothing for me to latch onto, if there's no like specific thing where I'm like, oh, this connects to this thing I already understand, it's really difficult. And, you know, you have a very Mediterranean focus in a lot of the way that you study yeah. history. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. And, yeah, and that's completely fine and cool, and it makes a ton of sense. But it does mean that if you go too far afield without a connecting like thread back, then then everything gets hard. And this is like the first civilization that we have anything from. Yeah. Uh, so on the one hand, it's completely disconnected from everything that came after it. But on the other hand, it's completely foundational to everything that came after it. And um, I remember that was at least the angle I sort of tried to like cold read my way through because again I don't know this history. I was just kind of like it's like the old one, right? So like, did the people in Greece go like, oh boy, I'm a fan of that trapezoid. We should do stuff like that too. And you were like, I can work with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a very useful conversation. It also helped me uh, immediately jump into writing the intro for the next video. Mm. Um, slight, uh, slight little peek ahead. Patrons know what's up, uh-huh. um, but. Yeah, trying to think, like, what on earth is my angle here? And and you were very helpful in just, like, letting me bounce ideas and you bouncing ideas to me, oh, where eventually I was able to kind of pull, like, okay, I I, I think I got it. Um, because th- there is an architectural heritage of, of what Mesopotamians were doing that fed into what the Egyptians started doing that eventually got kind of pulled across the, the Mediterranean to, to influence 
Mycenaeanum and Noan palace structures, but mm. that's more of a, of a disconnected thread than I was able to pull in in this particular episode. But it was it was cool, and I, I feel really good about having constructed this narrative for this episode. Not that I've, I've you know, redeemed myself from, from the Mesopotamia video. It wasn't a bad video. I just, it could have no. been better for sure. Uh, when I watched it back, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, it's a little weak, but it's fine. Uh, but I feel really good about what I was able to do in this one and what I'll be able to do in the next video. So stay tuned for that one. It's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, it So it was interesting because there were a few people on the Epic Beagle Mesh video that just went up at time of recording today, uh, being like, I thought they already did this one. <laughs> and, <No>. uh, <laughs> yeah, that's deep channel lore, like, like sacred texts levels. Um, yeah. because I believe that was a you video. It was a me video. What yeah. happened very, very early on was in my, my very beginnings of doing, uh, work on the channel. I essentially was trying to take the like literature curriculum that I was doing in school and basically as as study aids for myself and doubling his videos on the channel turn that into videos so there were mm. a handful of of other things that I had done um Hecuba uh one other play um Ajax was in there a for sure. Ajax and Hecuba that's right um I'd done Gilgamesh I had done the science um uh, trio of videos um, was one of the courses that I had done in that program that was basically like a history of like the universe big mode from mm. stars to you know early hominins um, and that made a great video series so I was like okay cool but the the literature ones my first attempts at those were not ideal so <laughs> it was good that we were able to to again come back and really do this one justice because your treatment of it was just truly fantastic and even Aww. as 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 simple and foundational is how you started the video that that intro sequence just hits so good <laughs> thanks when i was um researching it and writing it up uh the theme kind of hit me right out the gate like wow this this story really is metatextually kind of about itself isn't it that's pretty yeah. incredible um i had to be a little bit careful with that beginning stage where i was talking in in the intro about like here are you know there's evidence that some of these stories might be much much older than we believe but this is like a very tentative space a very sort of like this could be true but there's reason to believe that maybe it's not or like well this might be this paleolithic animal or maybe it's something else and like so making any sort of hardline statements of like this is that and this proves that this is 40,000 years old is like <laughs> but yeah. um like the Greeks made shit up all the time we're not out looking for minotaur skulls or anything like that well some people are but like <laughs> yeah. the minotaur skull is could it just be the bull this part? This is the bull skull, yeah. <laughs> I found it! But, um... <laughs> Behold a man. <laughs> God, uh, but, like, you know, I, I love talking about that whole Pleiades myth thing because as yeah. soon as that news story dropped a few years ago, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to rewire my brain. Uh, yeah. And I, I love that concept, but there are other explanations that could be true. Um, and, uh... The Seventh Sister was fucking canceled. <laughs> <laughs> she got unpersoned, um... <laughs> But, you know, I just thought it was really interesting to sort of contextualize, like, this is, you know, this is, we generally think of the stories that are important to us within the space of, like, the last few centuries. You know, we all learned Shakespeare in high school, and that's, like, 1600s, and then, you know, college, classics course, oh, we're learning about the Iliad and the Odyssey, and that's, like, 3,000-ish, a little bit less. Um, and then, you know, 2,000 years prior to that, yeah, completely different part of the world. Gilgamesh was doing his thing and it's so wild to me that we just didn't know about him like th there's yeah. this interesting thing that I think when we're researching history we sort of lose track of which is the periods of history for which major historical events were forgotten um I gloss over it very quickly in the video but uh when I was talking about like if a city is like destroyed in a volcanic eruption 200 years later nobody remembers its name there was a whole period of time where Pompeii was forgotten history nobody yeah. knew uh, you know when the city dies everyone's like oh my god I can't believe that shit happened to Pompeii two generations later did, did you hear there used to be a city got destroyed by a volcano that's pretty wild and then like centuries after that we go digging oh shit Pompeii <laughs> like there's there's tons of stuff like that it gets buried and forgotten and then if it doesn't get rediscovered it's just lost it's but just if gone. it does get rediscovered it's just a little hiccup in its history of like for a while there we forgot this place existed um 
And Gilgamesh is in this really interesting spot there where it was like this important text for like a thousand years and then it kind of just faded out. But like there's still references to it. Uh, I was checking out the comments and someone's like, yeah, there's a list of giants in one of the editions of the Bible that lists Gilgamesh there. So like, nice. yeah, can't confirm the validity of a YouTube comment that I saw 15 <laughs> minutes ago, but still pretty nifty it's if it's true. It's fact. <laughs> <laughs> Could be true. You know how it is. Um, and... You know, we just, it's so easy for this stuff to be lost and forgotten. And that kind of ended up being the, the theme of the the video while I was writing it. Like, so much stuff gets lost. And the stuff that we still have, it's kind of miraculous that we even have it at all. But, you know, when you go looking, there's just so much more stuff there. <laughs> there's, oh, yeah. like, the fact that I, I can, I cannot imagine how exciting it must have been when they were first deciphering cuneiform. And they were, like, making out words because it had mostly been, like, ledgers and receipts and stuff like that. And like then it's, like... Some 80% of cuneiform tablets are from the Or Three period when they made the ziggurat, and it's just business logs. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... It's, like, if all the documentation we had of our culture was target receipts. And then yeah. they start deciphering this, and it's, like, Atrahasis, and I made a boat this many cubits on a side and I put animals in it and there was a flood? <laughs> what? Like, can you imagine how insane that must have been yeah. to realize, like, this text is 5,000-ish years old and it's it's the pre-Bible. It's the pre-pre-Bible. It's pre-Tanakh. What are we doing with this? Yeah. And, like, that... Whoa, man. Um, and then they unpack the rest of it and it's like, there's a story here about a guy going through an existential crisis. And, like, there are such interesting translations of Gilgamesh out there. Um, the, I list at the, uh, in the end credits, the, the one I used was the Andrew George translation, which does its very best to be basically as true to the original as possible. So it kind of doesn't take poetic convention. If a line is damaged, it will basically be, like, the damaged part is in brackets. It even has kind of, like, this code for, like, if uh, this much of it is damaged, I have this many dots to signify how long wow. the damaged section is. Yeah, and then he'll be like, all right, this part of the tablet is illegible, but this other tablet from this other period seems to be covering the same story, and we can fill in with stuff from there. So he's very, very serious about it. But some of the more poetic translations, man, I kind of wish I, I could have... I, <laughs> I wish I had had the, uh, less integrity and I could just use those, because that one translation that's like... Gilgamesh was a god who was a god and man. Enkidu was beast and man. It is the story of them becoming human together. Like, that's yeah. so good. Nowhere in the original cuneiform, nowhere in the Andrew George translation, but it's so it's good. So I, I don't know which version that is, but I, when I was in, in university making my Gilgamesh video, mm -hmm. uh, I'd read the David Ferry translation, which is very much poetic license. He has a translation of the Iliad, which is, or not, sorry, uh, the Aeneid, which is also poetic license, but still like pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, what you can do with, with that story, if you're like, I don't need to stick perfectly to the cuneiform i can play with it a little you can you can really get a lot out of this story um yeah. even all these years later and, and honestly especially all these years later in the context that you're saying of how metatextually this story is about itself gilgamesh is willing to accept that he won't be immortal but he can still have a form of immortality, and that's cool mm -hmm. as hell. Yeah, he still becomes immortalized. And the thing is, like, this didn't come out of nowhere. When they were writing the story down, the historical Gilgamesh had been dead for centuries. Yeah. So if they're telling this story about this ancient hero king who wanted to become immortal, ends up failing, returning home, and then kind of looking at his city with new eyes, very basic early hero's journey stuff, you know, returned without the elixir but transformed nonetheless. Um, and then he's like... You know what? This city's pretty great. You know, let's 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 make it better with the time I've got left. And they were immortalizing him at the time. Like yeah. they knew. I'm not going to go all the way to like and this was their intention because my interpretation of like he becomes immortal through the collective work of a large number of people that Gilgamesh had no power over, very similarly to how Utnapishtim became immortal through the collective choice of the gods that he definitely had no power over. I'm not going to say that that was an intentional th theme that they put in there cuz, you know, I, I really like it, but uh, there's a lot of hindsight that's affecting that. And um, yeah. the fact that the story has changed hands so many times, that so many different people contributed, finding the tablets, translating the tablets, yeah. putting them together. Um, and uh, the Andrew George, uh, Andrew George translation has like a whole <laughs> Andrew George. <laughs> Andrew George, his, his translation, it's great. Uh, he really talks about how... Um, how the Epic of Gilgamesh is getting more complete every day. And yeah. every translation is better than the previous ones because they have more to work from. And it's just so cool because 
like this is the platonic opposite of the 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 seal fight video I made last year, uh, yeah. where it was just kind of like I went looking for the story and there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's nothing here. <laughs> there's nothing here. Yeah. yeah. So this was uh, this was kind of a beautiful little cle- like healing moment for me of yeah. like there really is all this cool shit. I I remember in college when we were doing our our unit, um, it there was a news story that came out that um, they discovered a tablet with an extra section of Mm -hmm. the Humbaba story where it's like they had at some point known Humbaba before like they'd interacted previously Mm. and I I don't know what ended up coming of it or or how it fits into the translations because like you get a scrap of text and it's like what the hell do I do with this how do I fit (laughs) this in but I remember like we found more of it what do you mean and that was my first experience with that like as we were reading it in class and this new story came out yeah (gasps) yeah (laughs) Yeah, no that's that's what's so interesting about this like this is one of the only cases I've ever seen where the archaeology is kind of how it is in the movies, where it's yeah. like, we found another piece of the story. It turns out they boned for two weeks, not one. <laughs> that was my favorite. It's so fucking funny. It's good. Oh my god. Yeah. I, there, yeah. There's there's a lot more that there that there is to talk about this because it's such a a, a, a huge I think a, a huge video for the channel to, to have mm. is just really really great um, the art's fantastic the jokes are really fucking funny oh, um, the Atrahasa section that you did illustrating it in a kind of like stylized like painterly um, mm. format I, I really really liked when I was watching it we were hanging out for most of the time you were doing that at VidCon yeah. and seeing it afterwards I'm like oh that's what she was drawing okay cool that makes yeah. sense yeah. Uh, uh, yeah I do most of my illustrations on Clip Studio which is on my computer and my tablet but um uh, for some stylized interludes, I will use Procreate on my iPad, which I can do when I'm traveling, which is very helpful. And for this, I was like, the video is so close to done, but I need to finish Atrahasis. Wait a minute. So yeah. so it ended up working out great. And uh, I it, honestly, very fun to just kind of take my time more stylistically, illustrate it uh, rather than the simple clean line art that I normally do for yeah. the rest of the video. Um, and uh, this Procreate is really good at texturing stuff. It's like the one thing it's really good at. So I was like, I could just go through. Well, add their underwater brush to my uh, yeah. my 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 illustration of Aya. That sounds so fun. Um, anyway, yes, I, I had a lot of fun making this video, and I'm glad people are liking it so much because that's really really validating. Yeah, <laughs> um, much much like with the Trojan War, th- this is a big video for the channel, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. Ah, yeah. I uh, I will say on that subject, uh, Mm. if you can't get enough Gilgamesh and Bull, uh, we have... And Enkidu. Enkidu's there, too. And Enkidu, fair. Um, (laughs) We've got two packs of pins out right now. Usually we only drop one, but we were feeling feeling experimental. We wanted to try something. So we've got Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Uh, as enamel pins in our crowdmade store right now, they their fists are out, so you can make them do a little bro fist. Yeah, it's amazing. Aww. And Gilgamesh has the 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 lion that he's got in all of the statues. He's just holding it and is like, well, it's great. <laughs> and then we also have uh, another follow on to the constellation pin when we did uh, Ursa Major back in February. We've got Taurus now with again glow in the dark stars, yeah. uh, where the the stars would be in the constellation absolutely cool as hell uh those are both available for the next um at time of upload week and a half um if you buy them together you get a 15 percent discount um which works out to just under five bucks which is pretty good um there is four bucks i i I can't do math but it it is a discount um so if you grab those together save on shipping get an extra uh, discount for bundling uh and we hope that you enjoy them they are pre-sale so um since there's no way to guess how many people are going to order when we have two pins um, they're going to ship in uh probably mid or late september um but we're really excited to uh to get those into your hands yeah i always have so much fun designing the constellation pins and uh have, now that I have the Ursa Major pin, it's like, yes, good. <laughs> All my dreams are coming true. Yeah. Uh, part of me wants to make them to scale with each other, but the more sane part of me knows I can't do oh, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> you no, literally no. can't with enamel pins. <laughs> That's pit. impossible. It's impossible, and yet, no. <laughs> you have to make them to scale with the actual constellation, so it's just like thousands of miles across. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, light years, really. But uh, yeah. uh, we additionally, other things to uh, announce next uh, week after this video or this podcast goes up, we have a bonus podcast 
all about The Legend of Zelda, talking about Tears of the Kingdom and our favorite games, joined by special guest Resbutin, a yeah. uh, friend of the channel, fantastic YouTuber, uh, who has a lot of, of great videos about uh, the experience of playing Zelda um, and just other real cool stuff uh, in gaming in general. Um, really, so really fun. if you want to do some homework, to... find his videos. Yeah. Go watch him there. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll put a couple links to those in the description, uh, mm-hmm. but he'll be on uh, next week, and that video will be on the channel. Um, Red did some fantastic art for that of us sitting around the table. Oh, um, really, really excited for, Same for that Same theme as the artist out. pod that we put on the channel yeah. a few months back. Yeah. So bonus pods will, will go uh, channel side. Um, and we hope that you enjoy uh, listening to them or watching them over there. Mm-hmm. Additionally, on the subject of podcasty stuff, one more thing to announce. Um, we have been, as part of our like summer seasonal update on Patreon, we're reorganizing a little bit of, of how we do our tiers by basically adding some new things. Um, so after this podcast, we are going to record another just half hour of us chilling talking about whatever, maybe talk about the new Superman show, My Adventures with Superman. And that's going to go exclusively on Patreon uh, for them to listen to there. So if you are a patron, you can uh, listen to that. We're going to post this in the week after. So we'll have stuff coming out every week, I think is going to be the strategy. Mm. Um, but uh, if you are not a patron, uh, you can join. Uh, we'll have information in the little the little tier categories on the side. Um, and we hope that you enjoy that because we're excited to, to just chat some more and have some more opportunities for us to, to kind of hang out and just shoot the shit about whatever uh, has been on our minds lately, turn it into yeah. like a little informal book club, maybe. It's uh, fun because like we, we already kind of like shoot the shit post-recording anyway. So now it's yeah. like, hey, what if we did this for longer and had a reason? <laughs> so if you want to hear it, you can go to our uh, Patreon to, to get those. So really excited to be adding that. Uh, and then with that, uh, all of our announcements out of the way, let's move on to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Today's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast is brought to you by World Anvil. World Anvil is a browser-based world-building, writing, and game-running software designed to help you, the player, plan characters, and will-build all while keeping your adventure organized and in one place. With over 45 supported game systems and the ability to create your own, World Anvil provides solutions for players no matter what rules they're using to create and roleplay their ideal character. Customizable character sheets, journal pages, inventory management, adaptable spellbooks, and plenty more allow players to lose themselves in their character while keeping track of all their abilities, attacks, spells, and items mid-game. Interested? Of course you are! And it only gets better because World Anvil is offering a special discount for all you lovely listeners. Just use code OVERLYSARCASTIC for up to 40% off any yearly membership. Thank you again, World Anvil, for sponsoring today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. This question comes from Zero Shadow 5 to everyone. You are a sidekick to a DC superhero. Who are you a sidekick to, and what's your theme? Hmm. DC superheroes. There are so many. Now we've I'd got love to at be least a Superman two... sidekick because Superman's the best. Do you have like <laughs> a gimmick a or a theme with that to you know make you stand out amongst the Superman's sidekicks? Superman's best of DC? pal, yeah. Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> I'll just be Crypto the Super Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a Super Cat? I feel like you could claim that role if you really wanted to. I'm sure there's a Super Cat. Oh man, sorry, this isn't directly related, but uh, somebody like uh, Cytogenesis, a DC character into existence, I don't think they've become canon, but uh, they sure convinced a lot of people online that it was canon. Uh, that there was like a corgi with a blue lantern ring, and it was like a corgi of hope, and they drew like fan art of this corgi, like oh, hanging I out with other. Yeah. yeah, and everyone's like, I can't believe there's canonically a corgi uh, with like a blue lantern ring, and it's like there isn't. But honestly, you know those days where you're like, this might as well happen. Yeah, <laughs> DC Comics are already so goddamn weird. Um, it wouldn't shock you at that point. Yeah, I think there might actually be a red lantern that's a cat, though. I should check that. Almost one. certainly cat would be a red lantern yeah God, that's funny yes um, dex star prime earth good uh let's see <laughs> red's entertaining herself with the uh <laughs> <laughs> um i guess I like, like realistically as much as i i like superman i feel like i'd i'd make a good like oracle type character for mm. batman i mean oracle already does the job so well so either i'd 
just be like useless or redundant or hoping for a universe where there is no oracle as of yet consider Um, consider because it is true that bruce wayne does indeed have oracle but maybe you could be like a batman beyond situation sidekick terry mcginnis Mm -hmm. that'd be fun batman even further (laughs) (laughs) beyonder I do oh, think man. Batman is like the probably the most fun to be a sidekick for, but also one of the most risky because like he's so serious most of the time that you get to really be fun and quirky. But also mm. the Batfam historically doesn't have a great like survival ratio to no. like life expectancy. <laughs> but the so. good thing is like now that the Batfam is all like expanded and you've got writers in charge who actually really like the idea of Bruce having like. Uh, like five million kids you just get an immediate social circle out of it and every time you get kidnapped you have like eight siblings that are ready to bust down the door and get you out. that's true and like aesthetically it's a fun family to be you know tied to i do like that the flash's sidekicks are usually just other also very fast kids (laughs) other flashes yeah 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 Yeah. i think it would be good to have like a like a sidekick with contrast situation and dc kind of has like a like a deficit of those because it's yeah like, oh, you got Wonder Woman and she hangs out with some other, like, kid Amazons sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, Superman and his son. But with Batman, it's like, this is Batman. And Robin, the brightly colored, flippy, quippy acrobat, to contrast this <laughs> stoic and unmoving ghoul yeah. of the night. It's <laughs> the very rare case where you actually get one of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I want to uh, be, like, an intern for the question. I think he's really funny. Good. Uh, I love Good, his, his gimmick, his faceless vibe. Uh, I could like man the uh, uh, the, the, the events of the yeah. Desk. I could man the info desk <laughs> while he and Huntress are out having cute little dates. Uh, I think it would be really fun and rewarding. And because he's like a street level superhero, yeah. I wouldn't need to. So I think the vibe is like like Jimmy Olsen on an apprenticeship with the question. Like no powers, not necessarily even a costume. Just like. Uh, do you have a comment for the paper? But like, I'm like, I'm like, um, like clipboarding my way into places I definitely should not be. Where it's just like, oh yeah, I'm with the Daily Planet. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, just enough fast talking, or like, or like the whole like, oh, I'm sorry, this wasn't the way to the bathroom. I was with the tour group. I'll just leave, like that kind of thing. Because uh, the question's whole thing is that like he's this conspiracy theorist, uh, but he's right about most things because the DC universe is insane. Yeah. Um, so it would be kind of cool to just unravel, you know, look behind the web, see what's actually going on, and hang out with a cool faceless guy and his extremely badass girlfriend. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. want to do that, I feel like I could. I can kind of pull some of my answers together, and I can be like an Oracle type character specifically for Superman. So it's like mm. I'm basically player in Carmen San Diego, like yeah. in my little like reporter cave, nice. doing all kinds <laughs> of like digging while like Clark's out. There they're doing whatever the hell Superman stuff he's doing this particular week. I feel like, and then we could be buds. Yeah. So we could like have like our little journalism crew where we hang out. I love this. Yeah. I was thinking like more street level and not quite as street level as question, but like Black Canary is one of my all time favorite DC characters. And mm-hmm. I do think that she deserves a sidekick, but she's so just like, I'm going to punch a man, even though I can scream uh, that I do think it would be a lot of just like, I'm just kind of her babysitter and like, first aid kit carrying gal you know i'm just here to like make sure everything else is fine she's good she's there to you make just, sure oliver like, doesn't do anything dumb yeah carry a thermos of like throat coat tea it's like you scream yeah, too I've much got, drink like, this a thermos of tea a little like all of my utility belt is just different like sizes of band-aids and the occasional bottle of like baby formula i like how black canary like you could you could be forgiven for not remembering that she has superpowers because she yeah. uses them so rarely but that's what makes it fun because like she is such an ass kicker that like anything street level she can just kick her way through but then like oh no there's a superpower threat all right everybody get behind me cover your ears it's fine oh yeah i have a mm-hmm. power i just basically never use don't worry about it and like um, five feet behind her is me doling out little sets of earplugs to everyone yeah. like oh we really need these <laughs> I have the powers now, okay. <laughs> Perfect. I love this. Incredible. Uh, I looked up Dexter more, by the way. He has a tragic backstory. His <laughs> owner was murdered, uh, and then he was immediately thrown in a river, and then uh, Atrocitus sent him a red lantern ring, and he uh, heartbreakingly was like, I find who hurt you. I kill. I good kitty. So Dexter oh is officially my favorite DC character, but I still <laughs> want my internship with the question. <laughs> Gotta get those credit hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this next question comes from Swimming Buttress, 
to Blue, what is your favorite nickname for Alexander the Great? Personally, my favorite is Alexander the Teeny Weeny. You are very fond of this gag. You do it in all of the videos where you have an excuse to talk about Alexander the Great. So yeah. I feel like it would be good to give you an opportunity to like pick a fave, you know? I'll, I'll never not refer to him as anything other than the Great. And there was one point um, in an, an upcoming video where I mention him. And when I wrote it, I like I was focusing on another part of the sentence, so I instinctively wrote like Alexander the Great, and I'd be like, "Wait, no, wrong, get, delete, get out of here." Um, the most accurate one I think I've ever had was Alexander the Macedonian Twink, because that's just that's what he is. That's that's it. That has to be the one. If there was one to rule them all, that's it. Because all the other ones are usually situational to whatever the joke mm -hmm. is, like in that moment. But Alexander the Macedonian Twink has to take it because that's just that it's completely it it's it's a more descriptive name that yeah. works in any situation that's better than the great <laughs> oh man excellent well this next question comes from rahela to all are there any genres that you want to like but can't find anything engaging within for example regency romance police procedurals darks fantasy etc so is there a genre that you just like personally don't connect with even if you think it might be like you know it, there you have nothing against it it's just not your cup of tea basically Say it with me, one, two, three, Grimdark. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if I want to like Grimdark. Yeah. And yeah. there's a few stories I've liked that people have been like, I thought that was pretty Grimdark. Uh, Arcane and Netflix's Castlevania both had Grimdark vibes, but I liked Ooh. both of them a lot. Yeah. Uh, in part because I would say that Castlevania is aggressively the opposite of Grimdark, what with it ending with the heroes succeeding and then being yeah. in a constant fight against uh, the idea that the world is a hopeless place that doesn't deserve to be saved. Um, but I, I think, I feel like for me specifically, certain parts of anime have gotten harder for me to watch. Uh, I I went through this like moment of clarity. I think I was watching Seven Deadly Sins, and I I, I was sort of like mentally blocking out all the egregious like this character is the protagonist, but also he's a pervert. Uh, this is unrelated to the plot or even his personality. It's just a funny thing, and uh, and I was kind of like yeah yeah well, okay fucking what is I'm just waiting for the cool fight, and then I was like I don't need to watch this. If I'm not having a good time, I can just stop. Self-care. Yeah, I've seen a meme where it's like every anime has a different level of anime bullshit. And when mm -hmm. recommending an anime to someone else, you have to understand exactly what kind of anime bullshit they have a tolerance for and how yeah. much mm -hmm. before recommending it. And it's really hard to know what random anime bullshit is going to is gonna really not click with someone when you, you recommend the show to them. you always forget about it after you watch a show. You're like, oh, this one was yeah. fine. And then it's like, mm, no, there's that one yeah. episode, though. <laughs> <laughs> you always go back and you're like, oh, God, I blocked this one out. Like, oh, no. Yeah, and uh, as I've gotten better at just sort of being like, if I'm not, you know, getting anything out of this. I think I'll just stop watching it. You know, as, as I've been doing that, uh, the list of newer shows I've been watching has gotten thinner and thinner, and now it's just kind of down to, to nothing. Um, so I think, I don't even know if that's like, I think they should stop doing these things so I would like it more. I think at that point it's just like, I can just watch other stuff. There's so mm -hmm. much stuff out there. I've been watching some classic Gundam recently. Uh, there's a very low amount of dumb anime bullshit in those. Uh, mostly just horrors of war, child soldiers, and sick-ass giant robots. Uh, so I've been having a great time, but yeah. uh, unlike everyone involved in Gundam. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like uh, I've, I come around on just about every genre. I don't know if there's any, like, one that I especially hate, because, like, I'm a pretty, I used to not be a huge Regency romance fan. I've kind of come around in recent years. I'm like, nah, I get the appeal of this now. There's one or two that I really like, and, like, mm. I, I can take, I think, a higher tolerance of Grimdark than most of the rest of this podcast in terms of what I would seek out. As yeah. the only person here who actually watched all of Game of Thrones, I feel justified <laughs> in saying that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think there's one genre that I just like, no matter how much I try, there's nothing in there that's going to grab me. It is the like medical procedural, because mm. I love like a crime thriller or a police procedural but the medical ones just do absolutely nothing for me and I think it's because I'm just too squeamish with the medical stuff that like yeah. no matter how in interesting the solving the problem aspect of it is I can't get into it there's just like nothing for me there mm. 
Yeah, there's a few. I, I feel like we're in this weird. This question is asking us to find the gray area between like I just don't like this and I wish I liked this. Yeah, um, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think, and I can't thread that needle with anything right now. I think having recently reread a whole bunch of like classic comics for the purposes of a detailed diatribe, tune in early August for that one. Uh, <laughs> I wish I liked comics more because I wish they were more consistently written. Because what actually happens is you have one writer who's good and one artist you like, and they write like 16 issues together, and you're like, great. And then without warning, the next issue is by a completely different team, and now you don't like it anymore. So these characters that you like are on like a yo-yo, where it's like, oh man, this Thor run is so good, this first arc is great, and then, uh, no, everything after it is bad, unfortunately. Like, But it's it's got enough in common with that first part that you kind of keep reading, because it's like, well, I'm, I'm rooting for him, you know, I, I hope this works out well. And then you have to deal with everyone becoming an absolute moron when Loki shows up and being like, my liege, allow me to give you the best advice. You should exile Thor and be king. It's like, yes, Loki, my trusted advisor. I think I should do that. And it's just like, all right, well, I don't think you would have done that in the first few issues, but what the fuck do I know? Um, so I guess the thing is, like, I know this is an impossible ask. It's like, oh, I just wish that all the comics I liked continued forever written by the same person without ever, uh, you know, messing up or falling apart or uh, losing ideas. Um, and that the entire universe held together cleanly in a way that I appreciated. Uh, and it's kind of frustrating that uh, realistically I can't ask for that. That would be stupid. <laughs> but what I have instead is something I don't particularly like, except I do enjoy reading comics that are bad and then figuring out why they're bad. So yeah. I kind of win anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I've i been having a lot of trouble for a long time getting into, like, dark fantasy stuff. Mm. Like, anything even, like, approximating a Game of Thrones, I just I can't. And, and I know I'm not going to like it, and that's fine. Like, um, New Witcher, I'm just not even going to try to watch anymore because I watched the first season. I was like, this is okay. Watched the second season. I was like, okay, this is not quite as good. It's still like Henry Cavill, but like, eh. And now that it's like, okay, well, he's going to be gone at the end of this. Like, I can't invest myself in this, but Castlevania was mm. so good. And I'm going to be chasing the high of finding a show like that <laughs> for a while because everything else that's kind of like it is just worse, where they <laughs> set you in this, this like really icky setting where there's all this bad stuff happening and they can't commit to like actually letting people win at the end. And I'm sure there are like examples of places that do this, but the the tone of of Castlevania works for me because in the middle of like all this awful stuff happening, it's a really funny show mm. with all these hilarious bits that lighten the mood where you can tell like the characters are finding jokes in the middle of awful situations. But I know there's not a lot like that, or at least not that I've seen so far. And I'm not willing to try because most things are just going to be awful and gross and make me feel squeamish and mm -hmm. just sad instead. So it's just not worth the dive. I've been seeing an uptick in like animated fantasy that kind of hits that tone. And I think a lot of it is because uh, Legend of Vox Machina uh, did yeah. so well because mm -hmm. like, like in I don't remember the exact timeline, but Netflix had a couple series. Uh, they had, like, Dota Dragon's Blood, which I don't think is particularly good, but it is doing, like, some interesting stuff, and it was cool that they took the risk. And there was um, Dragon Age Absolution, which was another animated Netflix thing. I think it was even by the same uh, animation team. And I really liked that. I thought that was really fun. So, like, more just animated pseudo-adult series in fantasy worlds are coming out now, and that's good because... <laughs> Sorry, uh, there's a, a lawnmower going in the background a of this footage. A very loud lawnmower right in front of my door. This has never happened before today, and I'm going to kill this guy. Shadiest expression I've ever seen this man make in my entire life. It is very fun watching you try to kill the lawnmower guy with your brain. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the thing is, I I kind of like it whenever a genre like that gets just enough popular support that people start making more of it and willing to make more of it even if parts of it flop because the the death knell of a genre is when they're like oh we had one that was unprofitable so we're never going to do this again like like which is just the entire modern streaming landscape <laughs> yeah but like it's not you know even pre-streaming that's what disney was doing they were like princess and the frog underperformed so we're never 2d animating again uh, yeah. The live-action remakes made us more money than the previous quarter, so that's the only thing we're going to be doing from now on. I feel yeah. okay dunking on Disney because Bob Iger, uh, the strikes just uh, had a major advancement the last couple days, and Bob mm -hmm. Iger is revealing himself to be a real piece of shit. Real so, piece of shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Disney's absolute cowardice and creative bankruptcy does not surprise me, but uh, it does, in the flip side, encourage me when I see more 
not necessarily great uh, installments of a genre that previously was considered far too experimental to do that sort of thing in. So this is a complete tangent from what the fuck we were talking about. We should move on to another question. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, this next one comes from Sorcerer Pizza Supreme. To all, what is your favorite episode of Justice League and or Justice League Unlimited? Oh, uh, Red, you question. inadvertently spoilered mine in that I love the Black Canary, Green Arrow, and double Question date. Huntress Double yeah. Date episode. Yeah. All-time yeah. fave. It's just such, it's so fun. Double <laughs> it's just a great episode. Excellent. Um, yeah, I really do like that one. Uh, I keep going back to, I believe it's only a dream. Uh, let me, let me check actually. Uh, because that's the, that's the one, uh, yeah, with Dr. Destiny, um, who uh, it's a very Batman centric episode. And in uh, the first run of Justice League, um, Batman is, you know, he hangs out with the team, but he's not on the team. And so Batman episodes are a little bit less common. Uh, this is because they were sort of bound by the continuity of Batman Beyond, which came out before Justice League. And in that one, they offhandedly mentioned that Batman never made it past a part-time member of the League, which meant for all of Justice League, Batman could not join the League. He just had to keep being like, no thanks, bye. <laughs> um, I have a contingency plan to kill all of you, but I will not participate in your games. <laughs> <laughs> but in Only a Dream, it's a very Batman-centric episode because everyone except for him and Martian Manhunter gets taken out of commission by Dr. Destiny. Uh, and you get the fun, like, greatest fear exploration and hints of Shaira's whole thing that would be revealed in the finale, Star-Crossed, you know, all that good stuff. Um, honorable mention, the episode where the Flash and Lex Luthor body swap and uh, the the voice actors don't swap, so that you have uh, you have Clancy Brown voicing Flash in Luther's body, and you have oh my God, what's his name? Sorry, uh, uh, he played Lex Luthor in a completely different show. Michael Rosenba Rosenbaum, uh, who plays the Flash in Justice League, playing Lex in Flash's body. Michael Rosenbaum played the Flash on Small, uh, sorry, played uh, Lex Luthor on Smallville. So. They were like, each of them was really good at performing the other one's like vocal quirks. Like Clancy Brown's like, no, cause I'm evil was just like solid gold. And uh, it's just such a fun little, like most of the time when people get body swapped in a cartoon, they just swap the voice actors and it's just utter cowardice. Like it's more fun to give the voice actor the opportunity to like show off how well they've been paying attention to their peers. Um, but yes, uh, first place, only a dream two-parter. Second place, the one where Lex Luthor and Flash body swap. Title <laughs> pending. I'll have to throw in for um, one of two episodes. Uh, there's the one where I think a bunch of people got like cursed by Cersei or something, and mm. like Batman's trying to like save Diana or something. It's just I, Diana who gets cursed. Okay, but yes. just Diana who gets cursed. I really like that episode. The Bruce and Diana episodes are are some of my favorites just because that dynamic is so well written in the show. Mm -hmm. um, like when they're scoping out the bank heist yeah. and Bruce is explaining why he won't date on the team and Diana just like crushes the gargoyle's head in her hand and Bruce does not acknowledge it. Like he saw it, but he does not acknowledge it in conversation. Well, it's because he was very specifically like, anyone I get involved with would be used against me by my enemies and she just crushes it next. Um, yeah. For the record, the episode I was thinking of is called The Great Brain Robbery, which which I love with all my heart. Um, Excellent. But yes, the, the Cersei cursing Wonder Woman episode is good because that's the episode that ends with uh, Bruce Wayne singing Am I Blue? Uh, which is only there uh, because Kevin Conroy was just singing to himself at some point between takes and they were like, oh shit, he's got pipes. We need to come up with a reason for Batman <laughs> to sing now. I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> a magical curse. Um. Uh, well, this yeah. next question comes from Nightwolf, mainly to Blue, but open to everyone. I recently learned that Peter Weller, the actor for RoboCop, has a PhD in Italian Renaissance art history and sometimes teaches classes at UCLA. While he's not teaching as RoboCop, I wonder what fictional character you would like to teach one of your college classes. So That's amazing. Thank yeah. you for this information. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about, like, first of all, great fun fact. Also, who do you, who, what fictional character would you want to teach? And I guess specify, like, what class you would want them to teach. I have a softball answer. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Oh, I feel yeah. like the, I, I was watch, I, I watched uh, the the good ones, so the first and third one uh, with Magenta the other week, and uh, man, we we were just going off about like how none of the students at this university would be normal about this man, <laughs> um, and the idea of like because his his like civilian identity is just such a like awkward you know clean cut soft boy, and I just like the idea of them being like. So there was this guy involved in this international incident in Egypt the other week, and I swear <laughs> it was Dr. Jones, but, like, 
like with this like fedora and like it was crazy. He had a whip and they're like, come on, don't make jokes about our soft boy Dr. Jones like that. <laughs> I feel like he would have the most like above board, like boring, like work study programs or like they do like one extremely carefully arranged, like one week trip out to a dig site that's very carefully protected. And like he disappears for one day and comes back with like a fresh bruise. And they're like, what happened? He's like, oh, I, uh, uh, slipped and uh, walked into a tree. Don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, and the students are like, oh, that Dr. Jones, he's always getting into scrapes. <laughs> we must protect this soft boy. I just think it would be so fucking funny. Um, and he'd teach good. He'd teach good stuff. He'd teach good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I have a fantastic answer. Similar mm-hmm. feelings about, um, I think it'd be very funny to make Dr. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum's character, teach a college class, but not math. It has to be like philosophy or something. He'd be insufferable and it'd be so funny. <laughs> I think Plus it's I like, imagine he, he just normally like teaches all the time. So it's, yeah, it's of course it works. Even. It's like, oh yeah, that's the professor. We all know he is. He's the icon of campus. Cause I don't know about you guys, but like we definitely had professors in the communication school I was in that was like, yeah, we, you spot them. They're always wearing the same, like, variant of a certain outfit. It's distinct, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. unique, and you just know them from a mile away. Uh, that is. I had a math teacher where the only proof I had that he was a mortal man was that uh, all through, like, of the course of a week, all of the hair on his head would slowly grow out by about a quarter of an inch and then get all shaved off at the end of the week. Uh, other than that, I never saw him wear anything other than, like, sweater vest over, buttoned down with, like, slacks. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh Yeah. Um, so we're we talking more about like like actors or their characters because I, I guess characters for sure characters okay characters, yeah, yeah. Um, I also think sorry not to double dip no, uh, in the DCEU Wonder Woman who clearly works as like a museum curator in her civilian <laughs> yeah. identity I think she would teach awesome classes and and be really fun that'd be great yeah yeah, yeah. she teaches classics and it's like. Uh, the students are like, oh, well, what do we what do we think about the interpretation of this philosopher? It's like, oh, he was full of shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think she'd mean? be like, well, what do you think uh, this philosopher intended when he said that? Uh, I, I think she'd be pretty good about not showing her hand too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, there's the one thing where it's like, I caught her during office hours when she was really stressed. And I swear she crushed that doorknob in her hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Ziggy is debating making an appearance, I think. I can hear her, but I can't see her. My sanity is debating making an appearance now that the lawnmower stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Who would you want to teach a class, Blue? Who would I want to teach a class? Um, I, this is, there's so many good answers and I can think of exactly none of them. Um, Do it again. You were just meowing. Come on. You're the mic. You're so <laughs> close. Face. Oh god. <laughs> uh, would you be a red lantern? Hmm. I think she'd become a red lantern if you died. I don't know if you have like a strong enough force of personality. If I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for. There we go. <gasps> that was beautiful. I would love for Saifa Balnadesh to be a science teacher. Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah. she would be the coolest. She'd be the one who's like, all right, kids, everyone stay 10 feet back. And then the flash paper goes up. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm yes. getting like college level Miss Frizzle energy of like, we're going on a yeah. field trip. And everyone is, there's a mix of dread and excitement at that concept. Yeah. <laughs> Don't it's, tell it's the Ms. board Frizzle. I did Someone this. gets frozen. With more pyrotechnics. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, if anybody asks, we didn't make thermite today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, we've got time, I think, for about, like, one more question here. This next question comes from Leo the Cat 890 To all in the spirit of it being summer, what are your favorite theme, amusement, or water parks that you've ever been to? Mine would be Holiday World and Splash and Safari in Santa Claus, Indiana. Um, so what are your favorite, like, theme parks, water parks, that sort of bad boy thing? This is making some assumptions about how many parks I've been to in my life. <laughs> You've been outside of at least one recently. I've been this is to true. a Six Flags. I've been to Hershey Park. I've been to uh, Disney World. Uh, we've been to the, the the front entrance of Disneyland, downtown Disney. There, yeah, um, pretty good ice cream. Con. Pretty pretty great ice cream. Yeah, um, we we sent uh, Austin uh, GM of Rolling with Difficulty uh, a picture of this one ice cream shop in Disney with no context. 
and it was like, what do you think of this? And he's like, I don't I don't know every shop in Disneyland. What the hell is wrong <laughs> with clarify, you? To clarify, Austin is something of a Disney adult, so this was not a completely out of the blue to just a random Fair, person in yeah. all of our context list. I missed if anyone context, was going to know, uh, it was going to be him. If anyone was going to know, it was going to be him. But um, um, I, I like Epcot because it reminds me of all the places I could be instead of Florida. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I've only, the closest I've ever gotten to going to a Disney park is that when we got ice cream at VidCon and did not actually enter one of the parks proper, we were just sort of floating around outside. Um, I did grow up in the nexus of Pennsylvania, Jersey, where you get Dorney Park, Six Flags, Hershey, Knobles, and then all the random like shore towns that have like a 500 square foot uh, yeah. roller coaster or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for my money, I would go with Hershey out of all of those. Although I do gotta, I Dorney Park is a little bit janky sometimes but i've been there when no one else is and getting on a ride like 10 times in a row just because no one else has gotten in line is an experience that you cannot have at many theme parks no, so gotta give it true. to them and knobles is cool because they have wooden roller coasters uh even yeah. if they terrify me every time because i yeah. fear them falling to pieces yeah they shake when, so much but when i went to, to hershey park i did not go on many of the water rides because i Mm-mm. didn't want to because i don't like big water slides mm. but my friends that were going there with me uh or i guess my friends who i was going there with because it was like a school thing so like right. friends how how much are you actually friends with people at your summer program and how much are you just <laughs> tolerating them for the next four weeks Woo! but uh that revealed probably a lot about me <laughs> um but i i did not go on any of the rides i was just like waiting to like for them to go on the rides and the long lines and come back and I was like it seems like you guys are having fun but I'm I'm not gonna go on those (laughs) I also don't love huge water slides I've gotten better with them as I've become older but also a lot of my friends in high school worked at Hershey Park in the summers because we live close enough that like you can kind of like if you have family nearby you can like chill in a room and like make some pretty good money working at the theme park uh and they were lifeguards at Hershey Park and after hearing their stories of working at <laughs> the water park I'm like I'm never going in water at a like public water park again yeah um so uh I have never been to a proper like theme park or water park or anything like that um uh, we were outside of Disneyland that was pretty fun I've driven past Six Flags Great America, I think, a couple times. Um, and uh, my main experience with any sort of like theme park or water park or whatever is uh, when I was little, my cousins would take us to this place that I had to look up on Google, but I did find it. It was called Waterford Oaks Wave Pool in Michigan. Uh, <laughs> and it was this big wave pool with these big inner tubes with like handles and stuff. It was always hideously crowded. And it had these. Um, various slides, including one big one where it was like this giant inner tube that like sat six people. And if you got like heavy people on, it could kind of like go really up close to the, uh, (laughs) and you just sort of spiral all the way down and then splash into a pool. Uh, And it was a lot of fun. I always got horribly sunburned. Uh, you know, just a nice little picnic day of, of going to going to the water park and the wave pool and stuff yeah. like that. Um, right. You you unlocked a, a core memory of mine that I forgot I had, which is going to the Wisconsin Dells, the water park capital of the world, which mm. no one on either the west or the east coast has ever heard of. No, maybe <laughs> a little bit. But um, uh, my my dad and I would sometimes go to the uh, the wilderness resort, which was by far the best of all the ones there. I've only been to like three of them even though there were like 12 water parks mm. so i like, re- like really well-founded opinions here from from large sample size um but the best part about the wilderness is that not only did they have like fun like water park stuff like a huge wave pool like three of them outdoor slides and all kinds of cool stuff they had this fun place called timberland which is basically like like a bounce house playpen but it was like four stories tall and it had all these like foam balls and cannons you could shoot and like jungle gyms it was the best we would go to this like admittedly rather expensive hotel and i would spend three full days in timberland (laughs) running around burning an unfathomable number of calories (laughs) yeah i i I was spoiled for choices as a kid with theme parks like roller coasters very roller coaster forward parks in particular and as a result like we never we never really had the money to like go to florida or anything so like my family never went to disney and i don't have that nostalgia for it and every once in a while austin and i will have this argument of like well you could just go like are you going for the roller coasters or are you going for something else because this does really color which parks you're going to be into i don't know mm-hmm. i think that they're i like a roller coaster i like a thrill and i don't think that the character stuff does anything for me which is probably why my answer is the place where you can get a lot of chocolate-based foods <laughs> as opposed <True>. to generic <laughs> i am 
prone enough to motion sickness. I was the kid that would throw up if you put me on the tire swing and spun it around too much. Uh, mm. Makes me feel like going on a roller coaster would be deeply unwise for me. Um, <laughs> I honestly, the more we talk about this, the more cleanly our friend group is like split down the middle between like theme parks, hell yeah, and like I just don't know, I just don't know. I feel like we should, we should, we should like just go to one, right, and like all have a learning experience over whether or not they actually suck. Guided by our friends that are like good at this. That's. A, I don't think you actually want to go guided by someone who likes the place because they mm. are going to have like the run and gun way to get around. My every time I've gone to a theme park with someone who cares about that theme park, it has been a terrible time. And every time I've gone with someone who also does not even care a little bit, it's been great. We meander where we want to go. If we have to go wait in line for a ride, it's no big deal. It's like mm. that's the way to do it. That's the thing. Like I. I get something out of experiences that I don't enjoy. I don't know how to explain it. It's like I'm having a bad time, but I'm learning something, and that's really all that matters. So I, I'd be down to like do this as an experiment. Oh, twist my arm, take me to a theme park. Why not? <laughs> I just think it could be fun. Um, I, I rode Steel Force twelve times in a row, and I'm never going to top that record. And so that is where I'm at in terms of roller coaster. Nice. <laughs> um, but speaking of where we're at, we're at the end of the podcast. So, Red, if you're ah. ready to crest over the metaphorical hill of this coaster and finish this ride, if you would be so kind. I don't know enough about roller coasters to make any jokes about this. I don't so know about, so... about sports, but I still do that stupid bit every time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> getting rolling with difficulty. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We will be back in two episodes with a girls' night. Ozpod, because Blues can be out. Um, and a bonus before then, because and the, the, bonus, yes. the, the Zelda. Zelda. <laughs> yes, we'll be, back, we'll be back in one week with a bonus Zelda pod, and then in two weeks with the Girls' Night pod. Girls uh, night. And, uh, of course, uh, Fridays every Friday. More videos. Have fun with video stuff. We also Mesopotamia have... Mesopotamia month rolls along. <laughs> <laughs> we also have videos that uh, have been up for a while. If you want to go back and check some of those out, they're pretty cool sometimes. Yeah, watch our back catalog. Um, yeah, All of it. <laughs> we love our back catalog-ish, um, <laughs> conditionally. Uh, also, as mentioned, uh, we have pins, uh, the, the Taurus Constellation pin. Honestly, if these things keep performing as well as they do, I will just keep making them. There are quite a lot of constellations I could be doing. It'll be a while before I run dry and start having to do, like, the big boat one or, like... <laughs> Aries, the three-star constellation that we're gonna pretend looks like a goat. Um, uh, but yeah, those are those are available. We also still have, I think, the Nine Realms poster. Well, Nine Realms posters are still up. They yeah. are, yeah. Um, they're they're on the store in perpetuity. Cool. Uh, and they're, so, they're cool. Yeah. So if you haven't taken a look at Crowdmade, we have some stuff. And if you want to like bundle things together so that you save on shipping, now is kind of a good time to do yeah. that. Um, yeah. I think that about covers it. Yeah. And then patrons, uh, stick around. Uh, if you head over to uh, patreon.com slash OSP, you can listen to the uh, little half-hour bonus pod right now. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back pretty soon on July 25th with a very special Zelda bonus episode, and our regular episodes will resume on August 2nd. But if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below. And thank you again to World Anvil for sponsoring today's episode.